This is Hacker Public Radio, episode 4110 for Friday the 3rd of May 2024. Today's show is entitled, Playing Civilization 3 Part 2. It is part of the series Computer Strategy Games. It is hosted by Ahu Khan and is about 15 minutes long. It carries a clean flag. The summary is, we continue to look at the details of playing this game, Hello, this is Ahuka for Hacker Public Radio and inviting you to join me in another exciting episode in the series I've been doing on strategy games um, and continuing our look at Civilization 3. Um, so I want to start with today is the early game. Uh, this is, you know, the first hundred turns or so. Um, and if you want to be successful in playing Civilization 3, mastering the early game is really important. Um, this is where attention to detail can really pay off. Uh, consider this early sequence. You start off with a settler unit and one or two other units depending on your civilization type. Expansionist civs would start with an explorer, for instance, while all civs start with a worker. Uh, you may want to look around and see if the tally you're on is the best place for a city. Now, my own rule is that unless I see a clearly better site within one tile of where I am, I settle in place by pressing the B button. B is for build a city. Um, you don't want to spend a lot of time wandering around looking for the perfect spot while the other civs are already settled in building units. Now, some people say you should never not build in place because you lose, lose a turn of production by doing that, but um, yeah, I think that's a bit extreme. I think missing one turn to get a city that will do better is a good bargain because you'll get the benefit of the better city for hundreds of turns. In any case, by the end of turn two, you have your city in place. Now what? Well, since you have a worker, you can begin developing your city. Your ultimate objective is to turn out another settler unit, but that won't happen right away. Your city right now has a population of one, and producing a settler unit uses up two units of population. That means you have to get to size three before you can pop one out. Meanwhile, you have no time to waste. First, take a look at your city. At this point, it is a three by three square with eight workable tiles. Now, the center tile is automatically worked by the game, so you don't need to worry about that. And for your eight workable tiles, you have one worker, uh, one civilian population unit. And we've got to be careful here because there is a unit called the worker that goes around building roads and irrigation and so on, and then your citizens that will work the tiles. Um, and so... We need to be careful looking at that. Um, so, what should that citizen be working on? Um, if you just let the game, uh, in other words, the governor, we'll, we'll talk about the governor later, uh, decide at this point, it will probably make the right choice, but you want to be sure. Which tile has the highest food yield? 
If you have a grassland or floodplain tile, or maybe a tile with a special resource like wheat or cattle, uh, that will give you the most food. And at this point, none of your tiles is developed. When you think you know what it should be, open up the city screen by clicking on the city and see what the game picked. Did you agree? If not, what do you think the game was trying to do? Maybe you missed something. Um, your, your center city square, for instance, is the one that's automatically going to be worked, and you don't have to worry about it. And that will, for your first city, always produce two food, one shield, remember shields designate production, and three gold. So you'll be able to start producing units or buildings, though with only one shield it may take a while. A bonus grassland is the perfect tile in this situation since it gives you one added shield, doubling your production, plus two food, which means you are building population. Your one citizen consumes two food, but you get that from the city center. So the two you get from the bonus grasslands tile go right into the food box to grow a new citizen. Now let's consider government type. At the start of the game, um, your government will automatically be despotism. All right, so we're, we're talking about ancient Samaria kind of level. Um, and you cannot get out of that until you've researched other governments further in the tech tree. Now, don't worry about that too much right now. All right, uh, We're still talking about the early game. But one of the parameters for being in despotism is that any yield above two is reduced by one. So if you put your citizen to work on a floodplain tile, you don't get three food. You only get two food. And if you irrigate a grassland tile, you similarly only get two food. So irrigating a grassland tile is a waste of your worker's time. Now, this leads to the rule for the early game, mine green, irrigate brown. Right. You, why do you mine the green? Because you're going to get the two food anyway. And by putting a mine there, you're going to get an additional shield. Irrigate brown, you know, with the brown, you're only going to get one food. But if you irrigate it, you'll get two. In other words, what we're trying to do is get as much food as possible as our first priority. And that is because the food is what will give you more citizens. And more citizens means you can work more tiles and so on. So it's a very important concept. Um, now, I say this is, this is what you do in the early game. In the late game, you could have your workers go around and change things. Um, but if you've played your game well, by the time you get to the late game, tile yields are not your biggest problem anyway. Now let's see how this works with two tiles. One grassland, the other plains, in an early game where you have two citizens. Alright, if you do nothing, you have the plains gives you one food and one shield for a total of two. Grassland gives you two food and one shield for a total of three. Total from both tiles, five. 
Now, if you irrigate the grassland and mine the plains, which you might be tempted to do, your plains tile with a mine on it, one food plus one shield plus one shield from the mine for a total of three. Grassland, two food plus one shield and then plus zero food from irrigation because you're in despotism and you can't get more than two. So the total now for both tiles is six. Now, if you mine the grassland and irrigate the plains, the rule mine green, irrigate brown, you get from plains one food, one shield, plus one food from irrigation for a total of three. Grasslands, two food, one shield, plus one shield from the mine for a total of four, and now the total from both tiles is seven. So you get a net of one additional shield from following the mine green irrigate brown rule. And that is one additional shield every turn, which could mean up to double the speed on building your first units. In the early game, this is really important. Now, the next concept we want to look at is revenue. Now, remember going back to the very early, you know, first version of civilization, said Myers always said it was always about the money. Um, and, and that's still an important concept in Civ 3. So, we've seen how we can improve our production on tiles through micromanagement. But we've only looked at two of the three things that tiles can give you. What of the third? Gold, or also known as commerce. Now, there are two types of tiles that produce gold without any improvement. Coast tiles and sea tiles. Recall that coast is immediately adjacent to land, and sea is roughly equivalent to the continental shelf. Um, shallower water in a lighter color. Now, sea tiles produce one gold, and coast tiles produce two. But what about land? Your city center will generate some amount of gold, which can vary, but it will be at least one. And, like all city center yields, that comes automatically without any citizen being assigned there. Now, to get more gold, though, you need to build roads. For each tile that has a road, and which has a citizen assigned to work it, one additional gold will be added to your revenue. Now that said, in general, gold is not your first priority, particularly in the early game. Uh, in a new city, I would first move my worker onto a tile that I can irrigate, since that adds food, and you need food to generate more citizens. But once I've done the irrigation, I would build a road before doing anything else, because it uses up a turn for your worker to move. And since you're already on the tile, it is most efficient to build the road right away before moving. Once I have done that, my next priority would be to build a mine to get increased shields. And again, as soon as the mine is completed, I would put a road on it. So the suggested rule here, never let a worker leave a square without building a road in it. It wastes worker moves, and you will want to put roads on all of your squares eventually anyway. Now, the third thing we want to look at here is resources. Okay, There's more than just food, shields, and gold to think about. There are also tiles that contain special resources of one kind or another. 
and you will want to grab those resources whenever you can. Now there's a list of all these resources at the Civilization Wiki site, but the short version is that there are three kinds of resources, strategic, luxury, and bonus. Strategic resources are the ones that enable you to build certain kinds of military units, and they are revealed at different times in the game when you discover a key technology. For example, when you start, you only have warriors as military units, and they have the 1, 1, 1 designation, which means they have an attack strength of 1, the first number is always attack strength, a defense strength of 1, because the second number is always your defense strength, and a movement of 1, because the third number is always your movement. So this is the bottom of the military tree. To move up, particularly in terms of mobility, you need horses. And to get horses, you first need to discover the wheel. Now, as soon as you discover the wheel, then you will see horses appear on certain tiles on the map. But for you to have those horses, you need to build a road that connects them to your cities. Do this successfully, and you will get a pop-up message congratulating you for doing so. Note that the horses do not need to be within the BFC of a city, but they do need to be within your empire. So, in other words, getting horses, you don't have to work a tile to get horses. You simply need to connect whatever tile the horses are on to your city. Um, the next major strategic resource is iron, and you need to discover iron working first. Once you do that, it will appear on the map. Now, for this, you do need to have the tile within your city, build a mine on it, and assign a citizen to work it. Now, these resources continue up until finally you get to aluminum and uranium. So, there are always new ones to find as you progress. Now, the next key resource type is luxury resources. Uh, these have two effects. They can add happiness in your cities, always a key consideration, and also add commerce, in other words, gold. Um, like horses, they need to be within your empire, but not necessarily within the BFC of a city. Uh, you can also access these by building a road to connect the resource to your cities, and examples of these include dyes and wine. Last category is bonus resources, which adds to the yields on a tile. Examples of these include wheat, which adds two food, and whales on sea tiles, which adds one food, one shield, and two commerce. To gain the benefit of these bonus resources, they do need to be within the BFC of a city of yours, and you need to put a citizen to work on the tile. And these bonuses are added to any other yields. So if you have wheat and also add irrigation to a plains tile, you can get four food. One because it's a plains tile, one from the irrigation, and two more because of the wheat. So that's a good deal of stuff to cover in one episode. So this is Hookah for Hacker Public Radio signing off. And as always, encouraging you to support free software. Bye-bye. 
been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. Today's show was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hosting for HBR has been kindly provided by anhonesthost.com, the Internet Archive and rsync.net. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 International License.